0: The NFL season is at the mid-year mark, and suffice it to say, the Giants' campaign has not gone the way anyone has hoped. We look at some of the twists and turns of a lost season and how the team can recover moving forward as we're joined by special guest Ed Valentine of Big Blue View. That's coming your way next on the Locked on Giants podcast. You are Locked on Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team. Every day. This episode of the Locked On Giants podcast is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the promo code Locked On NFL for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. Hello, New York Giant fans. Welcome to another edition of the Locked On Giants Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast family. Your team every day. My name is Patricia Chena. I'm your host. And I'm joined today by Ed Valentine of Big Blue View. And they say, Edward, that misery enjoys company. And my gosh, what a miserable New York Giants season we're having. So I can't think of a better person to discuss it with than you because we've been friends for for like forever. And uh This is time for some group therapies that maybe between the two of us, we have some group therapy and we extended to my listeners, but what a season. My goodness.
1: There you go, Patty. And you, you, you caught me taking one last sip of coffee there, trying to get, trying to get fired up, trying to, trying to get ready to bring my a game today. You know, Patty, this is, uh, this is all too familiar, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it is. It is. I feel like, uh, You know, last year, we were all encouraged. We were like, whoa, what is this? We thought better days were ahead. And this year, so many things have gone wrong. I mean, the injuries you can certainly point to, but, you know, that's really nothing new with this team, it seems. But, Ed, let's take a look at some of the decisions that have kind of set this team up for where they're at right now. You and I have discussed it before, but we'll discuss it for our listeners here in terms of head scratchers that, you know, maybe go back to the spring, whether, you know, it be roster, how the the roster was built, how the coaches approach this game. We'll talk about Daniel Jones. So Ed, let's start at the beginning with some of the head scratchers that you see as, as being the most um, relevant in terms of this team's downfall.
1: Boy, Patty, there have been so many of those I've written about those. I've, I've tweeted about some of those. I've done podcasts about some of those. And and I have to admit when you, there's been so many, you know, running all the way up to, I'm not sure I've understood yet an offensive line group that the Giants have run out there on any single week, but it's almost hard to remember when you go all the way back to the spring, but you can look at, you can look at. How the Giants constructed the ninety-man roster? You can look at the fact that there were what, roughly eighty-seven slot receivers on the ninety-man roster. You know, ninety. And, and and Richie James, who was their who was their leading wide receiver last year, wasn't one of them. Um, not that Richie James being on the roster or not is going to make any, any difference in the Giants being two and seven but you know there were a million slot receivers there were positions and i always say you can't address every position every offseason but you know there were there were more slot receivers than they were ever going to be able to keep they didn't address some defensive depth positions in terms of you know the the edge in terms of offensive line depth in, in terms of uh even I know they added Darren Waller, but you've basically entered a season where you've used two tight ends all season long. It's just, it, it's been head scratching, you know, from, from the very beginning. If you, if you have a couple of of specific off season decisions that, that you want to talk about, uh, you know, throw them out there and, and I'd be happy to do that.
0: Yeah. I, I know one decision that, you know, you mentioned Aaron Waller who was coming off of a season, you know, ending injury the year before, who was always a kind of a risk. And if you remember, you know, when he showed up on week one's injury report, we were told by head coach Brian Dable, oh, you know, our plan all along was to give him a rest day, you know, because he was coming back from injury, but yet he didn't have any kind of, you know, rest during the, the, uh, the, the preseason, as I recall. And that rest day, by the way, went away once he got healthy. So, you know, stuff like that was a head scratcher, you know, the lack of depth really um at punt returner which has been a big big time problem. You know, they had um uh oh gosh, Eric Jameson Gray
1: Crowder and, yeah, and they, ha- and they and they had-, had
0: Jameson Crowder who could who could have done it and who who, right. who was accomplished. So, I just feel like they've they've pushed a lot of square pegs into round holes. I was screaming about an edge rusher because you know Aziz mm-hmm. Ojulari's injury history kind of pointed to you know a good chance of him getting injured again. Um, you can maybe make a case for depth at um, defensive line. You know they had problems with A. Robinson coming off of the injury. Now he's been playing well. Raheem Nunez Roaches had some issues there. Um, so I mean, you, up and down, you can you can point to different issues that this team has had and and uh i don't understand some of the decisions that they made including the fact that they had 90 slot receivers
1: yeah i you know you're right about the punt returner situation was was interesting and we saw that all through training camp they they shoved a square peg into a round hole with eric gray when they had jameson crowder they had jaden mickens in training camp who's an experienced return guy They kind of did that in in a lot of cases this year, Patty. Look at, you know, one of my big issues this year has been the, now, injuries are injuries, all right? There's nothing that could be done. If you don't get a field goal blocked in week one, maybe Andrew Thomas doesn't miss any games, all right? But, you know, he suffers a hamstring injury in that situation. And But, you know, my problem when I look at the whole thing is, you've made it clear, they made it clear from week two forward that they did not trust Matt Parrott to be their swing tackle. So why was Matt Parrott on the roster? Why did you spend money on Bobby McCain, a safety who you're not using, when you could maybe have used that money to sign a veteran swing tackle if you didn't trust Matt Parrott? Because you're shoving. you shoved a square peg into a round hole, with Josh Azudu playing left tackle. You shoved another square peg into a round hole with Justin Pugh playing left tackle. And for all of Brian Dable's talk during training camp, during the summer, about how moving guys around and going to the extreme of, of changing the lineup every two snaps during training camp practices, you know, tra- changing the offensive line alignment they ended up in week two using a bunch of guys at a bunch of positions they weren't prepared to play. They ended up using Josh Azudu at left tackle where he didn't practice all summer and hadn't practiced since last season. They ended up using Marcus McKethan as the starting right guard after he missed all of last year, including preseason, and played 20 snaps this year in training camp. And he clearly showed that He may be talented, but he's not ready. So they just left themselves in a position where where they weren't prepared for a lot of the things that happened.
0: Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned injuries. I want to touch upon that just real quick. Um, You mentioned the Andrew Thomas injury. Well, if you knew Andrew Thomas pulled a hamstring on that block field goal, why was he allowed to play the entire game or most of the entire game? Where he obviously made that injury worse. you know, we look more recently, Daniel Jones coming back from a neck injury. Why was he the guy who was trying to do the tush push?
1: That was stupid, Patty that was I, I don't that get stupid.
0: That. I mean that was that's another thing, you know you look at and again, sticking with Daniel Jones, he hurt his knee on that one play and you know on the sideline, they're asking him, oh, are you okay? Well, what the heck did they expect him to say? No, I'm not. I mean, they don't know this guy by now. So just that hasn't helped. You know, people look at the injuries. Some of the decisions they have made with these players that have been banged up. Darren Waller, he mentioned that he, that he hurt himself in the Washington game. And, you know, what exactly were they doing there? So they, you yeah. know, the injuries mm-hmm. are going to happen. I get it. But some of the decisions made with the guys who are injured, I just don't understand.
1: Right, and specifically in regard to Waller, all right, Waller is still the Giants' leading receiver. I fully understood the reason for the Giants trading for Darren Waller. You know, they only gave up a third-round pick that was 100th overall, that wasn't originally their pick anyway. They basically turned Kadarius Toney into Darren Waller, and and that's a plus. That's an upgrade. Yeah. But – there was always risk and we're seeing the risk and and it's interesting you kind of mentioned it patty one of the things that that drove me a little nuts in the summer and even in the spring was the nba style load management stuff that that was going on in training camp and you know and throughout the spring and and curiously if you if you think back on August, on those practices, Patty, one guy who really wasn't being load managed was Darren Waller. He was out there almost every single day, very rarely getting a day off, very rarely getting back down. And yet we find out once the season comes that he has long-term, I think he said he has long-term nerve damage in that original hamstring injury that he has to manage and and now he's dealing with a hamstring injury on the other side and I don't know that one leads to the other but it's again it's a curious decision because you look at a guy with an, an injury history and it felt like they were pushing a player with an injury history while they were backing off on some other guys and and I don't know about you Patty but you know we've talk, there's just Almost everything Joe Shane and Brian Daybolt did a year ago turned out right. And the things that didn't turn out right kind of got buried because the Giants had an unexpectedly successful season. For whatever reason, almost every decision that they've made this year, even the ones that I thought were right, like giving Daniel Jones a contract, even the ones that I thought were right, Have all gone horribly wrong.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll talk about the Daniel Jones contract after the break because that's a big one that I know a lot of people are asking about. So don't go anywhere, folks. We'll be right back. Hey, Giant fans, if you want to secure tickets to your favorite concert shows and sporting events without the stress, you need to check out Game Time, the fast and easy way to buy tickets right up until the day of the event. With amazing deals on last minute tickets and their best prices guaranteed. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hype for the fun that you're going to have. With game time, you not only get the lowest prices, you also get clear images of your seats and event cancellation protection. And if you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. So go ahead and snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use the promo code NFL. For $20 off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. Terms apply. Again, that promo code is locked on NFL for $20 off your first purchase at game time. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Locked On Giants podcast. You got me, Patricia Trenney, your host, joined by Ed Valentine, Big Blue View. And Ed, let's talk about this Daniel Jones decision because back in the spring, it was pretty obvious that the Giants prioritized getting Daniel Jones's contract done, because they did not want to have to pay him the um, the franchise tag amount, which I think was thirty three million for a quarterback. They felt that that might hamper what they were going to do in free agency. So they instead worked diligently to get him done. They tried to get Saquon Barkley done. That did not happen, and they the thinking there, I believe, was that. Okay, if we don't get him done, he's only going to cost us 10 million to franchise tag. Meanwhile, the Giants go and they sign Daniel Jones to a four-year, $160 million deal that has an escape hatch after two years, which kind of signified that they were not completely sold on Daniel Jones. At least that's how I interpreted it. So that being said, you know, a lot of people are like, Well, why did they even bother to sign him? Given where they were drafting. I think they had no choice. Plus, you look at the market at the time. You know, people were saying, oh, Jimmy G. They were saying Marcus Mariota. And we all saw how they worked out for their respective teams. But let's go back to that Daniel Jones contract. You know, obviously, another injury history uh, to deal with. Now he's got the ACL, which is season ending. He had the neck injury, which according to The Athletic, there was a report that he was still not paying free as of last week. So now where do they go from here with this with Daniel Jones? I mean, I, the way I see it, I think they're stuck with him next year.
1: Oh, I think they are too, Patty. Now, you're going all the way back to the end of last season. Joe Shane made it 100% clear right from the beginning that quarterback was going to be, be the priority over running back. I mean, he basically said, you know, we have one franchise tag and Daniel Jones is going to be our quarterback. And if somebody as in Saquon Barkley, which he didn't say out loud, but he said if somebody has to leave, somebody has to leave. He made it crystal clear that they would prioritize Daniel Jones. And and I, I'll be honest, I'll be upfront, I've said this all along, I always thought that was the right priority because quarterback is more important to a franchise than running back. You can win without the superstar running back if you do other things well, if you block well. You're not getting to the promised land without a top-tier quarterback. And and I agree with you, Patty. After last season, when you look at the draft spot the Giants were in, when you look at the players who were available, what were the Giants supposed to do? If you just say bye-bye, Daniel Jones, we're going with Tyrod Taylor, I think there's another factor in there. You're basically telling the entire locker room full of players who just want a playoff game that everything they did last year doesn't mean a thing. You're basically risking losing the entire locker room because I think that whatever you think of Daniel Jones, he's beloved in that room. He's looked at as the leader in that room, you know, and he's a guy that, that players really like, there's no question in their minds, you know, that, that he's their guy. So I think they had no choice where they go from here. I don't know about you. I don't really think what they do the next nine games makes any difference. Yeah. Tommy DeVito's a nice story, but okay. Tommy DeVito's a nice story. You know, Matt Barkley might be this year's Mike Glennon. Who knows? But really, what matters to me is whether or not the Giants decide to go and draft a quarterback early in the 2024 draft. And you've written it, I've written it whether Jones is back next year or not. And he has to be on the roster next year because he's a $47 million cap hit. You know, you can't, you just, you can't dump him. There's no way you, even if he turns into next year's Tyrod Taylor, where he's the backup for whoever they draft, if they draft a quarterback in round one, you can't just dump Jones and move on. But I think you're, you're in that situation where it's five years. Next year would be six because yes, I can do math, but whatever the reason, and, and Daniel Jones has shortcomings, Patty. We know that he's not a perfect quarterback. He's not Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady or or whoever. But whatever the reasons, it simply hasn't worked with Daniel Jones. It hasn't happened the way you need it to happen, whether th- some of that's Jones, whether that's the coaching mess that that the Giants have been during his time, whether it's the injuries, whatever it is, it's five years now and it hasn't worked. The Giants are in position, going to be in position with a, a quarterback class that's supposedly rich in, in, in quality guys. They're in position to find a guy to, to move forward with after Jones. And I think they have to.
0: Yeah. And I made this point uh, in an article I wrote yesterday. Forget about the prior years with Jones. This is year two in the same system. I don't think anybody's going to look back at the body of work you know, and, and, and weigh that heavily, although it's it factors in. Year two in the same system. And I don't know about you, Ed, but On Sunday, I thought Jones looked like he was playing in the system for the first time. He was holding on to the ball too long. He was indecisive. You know, he airmailed a few passes that, you know, the two to Jalen Hyatt, that if that ball had been on target, maybe that would have been seven per per reception. He looked like he regressed. And I don't want to hear, oh, you know, Russ, because he's been in the system. He allegedly knows the system and the same issues keep coming up the slow processing time which by the way is not a good thing when you have an offensive line that's maybe shaky with its pass protection all right it just you you can't have that and at this point you know if you're the coaching staff if you're Joe Shane you got to say all right you know what maybe we we look to to move on we get a young guy in here who can process a little faster let Brian Dable and, and you know, who, if it's Mike Kafka or whoever's the offensive coordinator next year, let them develop the sky. We have him on a rookie contract and you're going to have a situation kind of similar to what they had in 2019 when Eli Manning got benched and he was carrying a $19 million uh, base salary. And he was the most expensive backup quarterback in the league at the time. That's where I think this is headed with Daniel Jones. Would you agree?
1: Oh, I would I would definitely agree with that, Patty. It almost has to, and as I've said, you know, you're right. It's two years in the new system, and Daniel Jones looked awful on Sunday. And I wondered, he airmailed the first throw of the game. He threw two passes off target to Jalen Hyatt. He threw a ball to Darius Slayton that should have been intercepted. And I wondered if as much as Daniel Jones wanted to be out there, I wondered if he knew he wasn't 100%. I wondered if he's still feeling some pain in that neck and he was uncertain on top of the fact that he's sometimes uncertain anyway. you know. And I wondered how healthy he was to begin with You know, yes. being out there. I just wondered because he never looked comfortable. From the very first snap, he never looked comfortable. He never looked confident. But th- the reality of it is, The reasons for why it doesn't work or hasn't worked with Daniel Jones don't matter anymore. It's been five years and it hasn't worked. You can't keep going down this road. It's, it's time, you know, as much as I like Daniel and all of that, it it's time to, to start looking toward the future and looking toward another direction.
0: Right. You put a rookie contract uh, or a quarterback on a rookie deal, and you build the team up the way it was supposed to be built. Not this mm-hmm. haphazard way that they, they, you know, granted they were kind of forced to go in that direction because of the success from last year that kind of toppled the, the domino, so to speak. Right. I think, it, I
1: think it changed a lot of the plan, Patty. Sure. The reality of it is I asked Joe Shane way back when the, when the Jones contract was signed. I remember asking him, If if he had ever thought when he took this job that that he would have been in this situation because you know how this goes new coach new GM come in have an existing quarterback they have some existing players contracts being what they are they give those guys a year and then they get shoved out the door and and they, they draft their guy right that didn't happen with Jones and and Joe Shane. I asked him and he was very clear that, no, I didn't think I'd be in this spot. I didn't think I'd be giving Daniel Jones a big contract. He said, if I'd have thought this was going to work out this way, I would have used the fifth year option. Yeah. You know, he was very clear about that. And, and, you know, he is sometimes very honest. And so he was very clear that, that he's surprised to be here with Daniel Jones. And, And what's going to happen, they draft a quarterback. All they really are is a year behind where they thought they would be in terms of turning this offense over and finding their own guy.
0: Right, right. All right. Now, Ed, coming up, I want to talk about the coaching because I think that's something we need to address. So we got one more commercial break. We'll be right back after this. Hey, Giant fans, so between my work here on the Locked on Giants podcast on Giants Country and being on site to bring you all the latest Giants coverage, some days I just don't have time to get to the grocery store to make sure that my fridge is full. Luckily, I don't have to, thanks to DoorDash. With DoorDash, I get everything I want when I need it delivered straight to my door. You know, for years, I've trusted DoorDash to also deliver freshly made meals from my favorite restaurants, and they've never let me down. And now that they've added grocery delivery to their offering, it's made my life so much easier. DoorDash has thousands of grocery stores to choose from, so you're sure to find one in your neighborhood that's right for you, like Wegmans, BJ's Wholesales, and more. You'll get what you ordered, or they will make it right. And you can save on all your grocery and restaurant favorites with a no-delivery fee on eligible orders with a Dash Pass membership. And now for a limited time, you can get 50% off your first DoorDash order up to $20 when you use the promo code NFL at checkout. That's 50% off, up to $20, no minimum subtotal, and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code NFL. Terms apply. All right, everybody, welcome back to Locked On Giants. I'm Patricia and joined by a good friend, Ed Valentine, Big Blue View. And we're, look, the season's over. I mean, there's still eight games left, but the season's over. Two and seven. The Giants aren't going anywhere. Ed, I think we need to talk about the coaching. Um, last year, the coaching, we were praising it. We were praising, you know, how good Mike Kafka looked as a first year offensive coordinator. We were singing Wink Martindale's praises. The league obviously took notice. Both of them got head coaching interviews, multiple head coaching interviews, I believe. This year, Wink Martindale not doing too bad of a job, all things considered. The defense got off to a slow start, but he's kind of made it work. Um, can't be the, the, the same can't be said for uh Mike Kafka. There's been obviously some speculation that Brian Dable has gotten a little bit more involved with the offensive coaching. And am I the only person who thinks that Kafka will not be back next year?
1: No, there's at least two of us on this podcast. <laughs> uh, I my best guess with Mike Kafka the best thing Mike Kafka could do college job college job absolutely he should be networking behind the scenes to find himself a college job because I Patty I don't have any inside information on this but I know one thing I know darn well that with Brian Daybol's background if they draft a quarterback in the first or second round, it's going to be Brian Dable who babysits that quarterback and who mm-hmm. who oversees that quarterback and who calls plays for that quarterback and who is hands-on in the development of that quarterback. It's mm-hmm. not going to be Mike Kafka. You know, Mike's either going to get knocked down a peg to an offensive coordinator who doesn't call plays or he's going to get fired. And so, yeah, if I was Mike Kafka, I would, I would be looking for a college job at this point, because the way this season has gone, nobody's going to be interviewing him for head coaching jobs this year. Not when you have a league worst offense averaging, you know, a a ridiculous 11 point something points per game. So yeah. So Mike needs to, Mike needs to, uh, to, to be looking for, for uh, other avenues, but you're the, the coaching, Patty, from, from a lot of aspects has been mystifying. Decisions by the coaches have been mystifying. And you're right. Last year, you know, I did it. You did it. We all did it. We all looked at this coaching staff that Brian Dayball hired and said, wow, you know, what a fantastic job he did going out and not just hiring his cronies going out and hiring successful veteran NFL coordinators, position coaches, guys he didn't know, guys he was willing to work with despite the fact he had no previous relationship. And this year, Patty, I got to be honest, the the head-scratching stuff started way back in OTAs for me because Dable was screaming bloody murder in OTAs that – his assistant coaches couldn't get the right players in pl- in position to run drills. I was like, "What is going on here? This is a veteran coaching staff. These are guys who have done this and know this and been together now for a second season. Why can't you get the right players lined up on the field? You know, in a, in a walkthrough OTA drill." And and it really hasn't stopped. There have been questionable decisions by Dayball himself in a lot of cases all year long. You know, exposing Daniel Jones the other day to a tush push when he's not hundred percent healthy is is just one of them. You know, I would argue two weeks ago about not going for it on fourth and one against the Jets. We talked about that a lot with a with a kicker that they that they knew was compromised. And that's the handling of the Graham Gano situation's another another really, really curious one. For me, Patty, there have been there have been questionable offensive game plans every single time Daniel Jones has been on the field. The first two weeks, I thought they basically ignored Saquon Barkley. For three weeks after Barkley was hurt, you know, you're searching for offense, but I still thought they could have tried to run the ball more. They finally decided to ride Barkley really heavily. You know, once he came back and Tyrod Taylor was in in the lineup. And what happened on Sunday, Patty? What happened on Sunday? The first two drives, Saquon Barkley, I don't think, touched the football. It was drop back and throw, drop back and throw, drop back and throw every single play. And I was like, what are you doing here? How about you hand the ball off a couple times, ride Barkley, who when he did get the ball, was finding huge holes to run in. Mm -hmm. and let your quarterback who hasn't played in a month, let him settle into the game a little bit, you know, even though, yeah, he's highly paid and all that, but let him settle into the game. Don't just make it obvious from the first play of the game that you're going to throw the ball 40 times and try to ride the guy. So I've questioned in-game decisions. I've questioned game plans. I've questioned a lot of what I've seen throughout practices all year. So, you know, I, I'm shaking my head like everybody else.
0: Let me ask you this, Ed, because I know you and I share the same opinion about this, but Brian Dable right now is a CEO type of head coach. If Kafka does leave or is not back next year and Dable takes over the play calling and, and becomes the, the, you know, the main offensive coordinator. I'm sure he would promote somebody to that role offensive coordinator, but Dable would be the guy. Normally I would I would probably be like, yeah, I'm not crazy about this. But considering that Wink Martindale, who I don't think is going anywhere, is an experienced defensive coordinator who knows what he's doing and who's perfectly capable of running that defense by himself. I don't know what happens with T Mac on special teams. I that that's another one that's up in the air. But Would you feel comfortable with Dable calling the plays, given the the makeup of the coaching staff, depending, of course, on what happens with McGahey?
1: Absolutely, Patty. I think I, like you, am a fan of the CEO style head coach. I loved, you know, Tom Coughlin was perfectly capable of running the offense if he had chosen to run the offense, but he didn't do that. He allowed Kevin Gilbride to run the offense for years. He allowed Ben McAdoo to call the plays. And, and we know that behind the scenes and, you know, drive to drive, Coughlin had his impact. You know, it was, you know, it was, a, it was, we're going heavy personnel here and, you know, whatever personnel package or whatever, Coughlin's imprint was all over both sides of the ball. But in this case... I agreed with Joe Shane when he hired Brian Dayball that that you know Joe was clear that he wanted a CEO style head coach. And I think that was right for Brian Dable for the simple reason that it allowed Brian Dable to do something really important. It allowed Brian Dable to get to know his entire roster. It allowed Brian Dable to build relationships across the entire team defense, special teams guys, it allowed him to build relationships throughout the building, throughout the organization. And he's had two years to do that now. And, and in my, from my perspective, he's done a really good job of that. And, you know, it was one of the things he was lauded for a year ago. But as I said earlier, if they're going to draft a young quarterback, if they're going to to get this offense turned around. It's Brian Dayball's neck that's on the line, you know, and and it's so, running an offense and calling plays is something he's good at, something he's always done well. So at this point with Wink Martindale running the defense, I, I have no problem with Dable taking that over in in 2024 if he chooses to do so.
0: Wouldn't be surprising if if that's the direction they go. It makes of sense, especially, Mm -hmm. as you said, if they draft a young quarterback to develop, which it looks like is a very, very strong possibility, especially as these losses continue to pile up. And if they have a top 10 pick, which don't forget, they have an extra second round pick that if they need to package to move up, they will be able to maybe do so. Uh, with a team that maybe doesn't need a quarterback, but, you know, might want a, another, you know, attractive player at a different position. So a lot of turnover coming in the off season. We still have eight more games. God help us all to get through. <laughs> uh, you know what, Ed, like I said, this has been therapeutic group hug for everybody because uh big old, like hug, big, yeah, old big old group old hug
1: patty big old group
0: hug <laughs> <laughs> that goes to all the listeners out there it's been rough guys but anyway that's going to do it for us here on the locked on giants podcast I appreciate y'all tuning in making us your first listen of the day or if you watch on youtube your first watch of the day and a shout out by the way to my blue crew my everydayers my newcomers and everybody in between don't forget Keep it here all week long. We've got the crossover Thursday tomorrow with Marcus Mosier of Lockdown Cowboys. That ought to be an interesting one. And then, of course, on Friday, we'll have another show for you. Check out Ed Valentine's work at Big Blue View. And, of course, check out my written work at Giants Country. So for Ed Valentine, I'm Patricia Trana. Thank you all for tuning in, and we'll see you tomorrow.